Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Revelation, 22nd chapter. Just before the writer closes the word of God, beginning with the 12th verse, you will find these words so written, and the Lord is speaking, and he is saying, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their road, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, and sorcerers, and fornicators, and murderers, and adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride says, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. And let him who is thirsty come. Let him who desires take the water of life without price. Over in the book of Revelation again, there in the third chapter and second verse, you will find that the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to the churches, and he is saying to one church, he says, You have a name that you are alive. Now, you read those other two or three verses that uh, concern this church and what he's really trying to say to them. He says, you have this beautiful name that you're alive. He says, now you ought to be worthy or you ought to live up to that name. Those who turned the world upside down. They met in Roman halls. They met in great big buildings. They met in back rooms. They met in the back streets. They met on the hillside. They met in the whole of ships. They met in dungeons. They met different places. But wherever they met, they were the church. And these people were persecuted. They were hounded. They were beaten. They were outcast. They were looked upon as bad people. And they were used as human tortures. They were fed to the lion. They were drawn and quartered, but wherever you found them, they were the church. They were the representatives of the kingdom of God like you wouldn't believe. And now, at that day, to join that august body of believers of the Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest thing that any person anywhere could possibly do. It was the greatest group to belong to upon the face of the earth. Now we come to a place where it seems that things have changed some. Though they believed that to be a part of this group was the greatest adventure that man could set his feet upon, was the greatest adventure that they could commit their heart, their soul, and their life to. It was the adventure that put them under the supervision and the leadership of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, what has happened to us? We come to this hour in which we live. 
And as we look at the situation that exists within the church, and we must be conscious of something somewhere, someplace, having gone wrong. Because within the Methodist church today, in all probability, we'll read another statistic that has been the last 10 years that we have lost more members than we have been able to win to the Lord Jesus Christ. And right at a time when men and women are searching for something with depth to it as never before, has there ever been a time that you're conscious of, where people are searching more now for something that will give them some depth to life, as it is in this day in which you and I live, and yet they pass right by the church and they never give consideration to it. Something is wrong. Something has happened that we need to restore. Now, dear ones, we don't have to continue as a church. And we do not have to continue as a Methodist church at large to be the type of church that we are. We can reverse this situation any time that we make up our mind that we're going to do it. But we must understand that there are certain things that God will do and there are certain things that he will not do unless we come to the place where we want to commit ourselves to him so that he can use us. It is that time it will happen and it will not happen until we do do that. It is up to us. When we come to the place where we make this group again the right group to belong to, Start making the church the right group to belong to. You know, we are a society of joiners. We'll join anything. I read with some amusement here some time ago, quite a while ago, about the group that was organized to cheat people out of money to, it was an organization to pick up the unknown soldier and, and bring him home to his mother. <laughs> and the article, if you read it, you remember there were some people that actually joined the thing and contributed money to it. Well, he wouldn't be an unknown soldier if they'd known who he was, would he? Well, this is the type of thing. We'll join anything. We'll join things in order to give us a little additional prestige, maybe, or some type of incentive to live a little better. Well, nature of man being what he is, we'll just go about doing it. But what about a church? What kind of distinction have we made the church? And sometimes we've made it into the wrong type of a situation. We've made it a place of where only a few or certain kind can belong. The church, we should be a people who are above the status symbols of our society and of our culture. The church is a place of where we should transcend all the things that we're involved in socially. The church should be one place where we stand together, sinners, saved by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a sense, we all stand on the same floor and the same level. The church is on a venture that is eternal directed by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there a group anywhere that can boast of such leadership or such greatness? What group upon the face of the earth have a greater cause than we as a church? And what group upon the face of the earth can offer more to a human being than we have to offer? We have more to offer than any other situation upon the face of the earth or all of them put together. You may hesitate to join because we have not made it the right group. But let us understand that it is the group that has to offer eternal life. Make it the right group. The church is a venture into eternal life.
directed none other by the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking about making it an easy group to belong to. We talk about making it a meaningful group to belong to. Well, let's make it the right group. Secondly, in a must hurry, it's got to be a brotherhood of believers too. It's got to be that if it's anything. If we're to be worthy of the name that we bear, bearing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the way that we do, we have a name that we live, well then it's got to be a brotherhood of believers. We remember our blessed Lord saying to us, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And on another occasion is that they will be able to know who you've been with simply because you give evidence that you love one another. The single greatest need of the human soul is to be loved. Bread is tasteless without love. Money becomes meaningless without love. Youth becomes a way of hell without love. Age becomes a burden too much to bear without love. I have observed more twisted, ruined lives from the lack of love than I have from bread. I've had my attention called again to that story that happened some time ago about the man, his wife, and his young teenage daughter were flying across the mountains of this country of ours, and his plane went down and he was killed instantly. His wife and daughter were left in the plane, but not hurt too bad. But no one found them, and slowly, painfully, a little at a day at a time. You remember the story. It was in the front pages of our paper. They starved to death. Starved to death. Months later, what was left of them was found. I would think that I would rather those a painful death to have starved ten times over than for my soul to be twisted and turned and torn simply because it has not experienced some type of demonstrated love. And dear ones, this is supposed to be our business to communicate the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has for every one of his created beings. Church, that is, to make an inroad within our society today and recapture the imagination of our people and of our society and have the power that it ought to have will have to be a responsive fellowship, a warm, responsive one. And dear ones, let no one of us think that we have discharged our responsibility to God and to man. If we know someone is sick and we call the preacher and, and say that he's sick, now you ought to do that. But if that's all you do... You have not gone farther now. Why don't you extend your help and hands, your prayer, your care, and your concern to the sick? If there is one among us that is a stranger, it's fine and good, and you ought to call it to the attention of the preacher. But you ought to extend to him a fellowship and an invitation to be a part of the kingdom of God and this particular part of God's kingdom. If you know of someone that has suffered the loss of a loved one, it's good to call the church and let us know the office. But if that's all you do, you have not carried out your responsibility as an instrument in the hand of a loving God. You extend to them your care, your concern, and your understanding. Everyone within our community or in our church that finds it hard and difficult from time to time to live ought to know of our open hand and our generous spirit that we have. Churchmanship for the modern man is a facade. If a man says that he believes in the brotherhood of man and discriminates against a brother and for any reason or another human being for any reason, you are not living up to what you say that you believe. 
Behold the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you hold it as one of our greatest symbols. And you hold it as a symbol of where everything was given to you, even to the extent of his body being hung on it and nailed to it. And if you hold that to be the center of your Christian life and a symbol of your faith and you do not give until it hurts, now you have not lived up to your commitment the way that you say and that you believe. And if you hold the golden rule as being one of the centers of your life that you work around and yet you see a fellow man suffering without extending to him a helping hand, you do discredit to the beautiful name that you bear. We ought to be able to sing and mean it. We share each other's woes and each other's burdens we bear. In the last place, you know the church. The church ought to be a place where we can be truly who we are. We can be honest. We can be honest. I don't know where the church lost this ability and capability uh, to be honest, but somewhere along the way we lost it. And we have lost one of our greatest freedoms. And it's a sad situation indeed. And not every person that goes down here to the saloon and to the bars and within our city are hooked on alcohol or they have to go. And many of them down there uh, frequent these places simply because they need someone to talk with uh, that they think that might uh, understand them. I have lived long enough to know. In fact, uh, both men and women, I've had them to call me. Well, isn't it a shame and isn't it a tragedy that we feel that we have got to be about half polluted or half drunk before we can really tell someone how we feel and how miserable life is for us and, and what we really think about ourselves. Isn't that tragic? Our society demands of us to pretend to be pretenders. And you know our church aids and abets such a situation. We're concerned more with the image and the roles that we play. And both of these words are fakes. But we're more concerned about that than who we really are. Now, I do not have to step outside to use anyone else as an illustration here because it comes to me again and again and again. Now, there are people within our community that serve us that we know how they should act. For example, we know how a banker is supposed to act. And we know how the undertaker is supposed to act. And we know how the preacher is supposed to act, too. A role that must be played. I remember so very well. How could I ever forget it? It's burnt within my heart and my soul. I remember in the other church, being in a church where the young people were having a pancake supper and some of us were helping out. It was my responsibility to get the stuff together to put on the burners, the griddle. I was down there working up a storm. It was a lady there washing up some of the dishes and the pots and the pans. And I fairly had that kitchen flour all just foggy in there. And, and here comes one of the, the most dignified preachers within our community. And he came in. I could have shot the secretary for sending him over there. But anyhow, he came over and walked in and see me about some matters of the community. And then he came over close to me and stepped up real close to me and said, What does your people think about you doing this? What do your people think about this? And then he left after he finished his business. 
And it went off through my mind. I thought, I don't want to be an embarrassment to anyone. I wouldn't want anyone to think ill of the kingdom of God and Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry. Is this, is this it? Can I really be what? Uh, this is me. Can I really do this? And I was all going through my head. And the little lady over to sink, she came over and she says, Preacher, she says, I heard what he said. She says, I don't think you should have said it. And about that time, bouncing through the doors was one of our teenagers, our young people, had been out setting up some tables in the other part of the building. She says, Preacher, we've been out there talking. And we've been talking about uh, Peter. Jesus had a lot of problems with him, and, and Peter didn't understand Jesus. said, uh, we've been talking about him out there. I want you to settle something for us. said, what did Jesus say to Peter the last night he was here on earth? What did Jesus say to Peter? What was those last words to him? And it happened. I looked over at this little lady standing there by the table and tears began to roll down her cheeks. And it hit me too. You know what, uh, what happened that night? You'd almost think there's a God trying to say something to a dumb preacher. Well, anyway, look at it. It says the last night that Jesus was here upon the face of this earth that he got up from the table and girded himself with a towel and began to wash the feet of his disciples. And when he got down to old Peter, Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to do it. And Jesus said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you will have no part in my kingdom. And then she was gone again. And this lady there says, Preacher, how more direct do you want God to speak to you? <laughs> you know, a place to be myself. Isn't it not the secret desire of your heart if you go through all the stuff that is there and down under every bit of it? The thing that is there more than any other thing is the desire to be true to yourself. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a church? Where that we could come and I could express to God my doubts, my fears, my loneliness, my sadness, my unhappiness, my mistakes. Express to him how I doubt and how I'm in need of faith and courage and hope and a hand and a smile. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a church where people anywhere, anytime, in the midst of the service, anywhere else, would feel free to come to the altar to talk to God? And we wouldn't be suspicious. We would know that they're trying to be honest with God and with themselves. That's why I'm here. And I hope at the deepest citadel of your heart and your soul, that's why you are here. To find how I can be truly what God has created me to be. And fulfill this role as the best I can with your help and with your encouragement. Dear ones, when we make our church again this type of a situation, I tell you, there will be a beaten path to our church door and there will be a well-worn path to our altar because you and I are going to be part of that group that's going to come and we're going to make our way to the altar. It will not happen, though, unless you and I accept the responsibility of being the people of God. And when we accept that responsibility... Wherever we are, whatever we're in, 
whether it be good, wonderful, or whether it be suffering, we will be the church, the people of God. Our Father, help us then that we will then be your people today. We want to be. We love to be. Help us, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 